morning to the chapel in Richmond, to the men and women in Chesterfield County Jail, Virginia Department of Corrections. We love you. Tell the person next to you, you look good. Come on, tell them you look good. Well, we are finishing up a series uh, on spiritual awakening. I'll tell you about that in just a second. But I love to look at the camera in the back of the room and say how much we love what God's doing in the life of our church in the chapel in Richmond, Scott's edition. I know you had an amazing prayer day yesterday. Love what God's doing there. And of course, the men and women in Chesterfield County Jail and Virginia Department of Corrections. We love you. You're not a project to us. You're our people. So good morning and online. We love you. If you're still at the beach, we're kind of mad at you, but come back soon. And and, uh, well, um, I just want to tell you one, um, one thing before we dive into the message, and that is thank you for your generosity. I got a text from Convoy of Hope, and Convoy of Hope, just in case you were one, uh, they're one of our key uh, missions partners, and they do actually feeding all over the world. They feed 500,000 kids a day. Think of that. But one of the other things that they're very well known for is disaster relief. And so Jack from Convoy sent me a text yesterday and said uh, that they're still on the ground in Maui helping with the wildfires, but they're also sending a bunch of trucks and everything right to the West Coast for is it Hurricane Hillary that's coming up and hitting the, the West Coast. And so thank you for your generosity. We would we kind of decided last night, hey, is there something more we can do for Convoy? Because so many um, of these disasters have hit. And so if you want to be a part of that, our goal is to maybe give an extra twenty five dollars or $30,000 in the next month or so to, uh, to make a difference. And you can go, if you go to the giving page and you click on there, it will say disaster relief missions. And so anything you give to that will, will go right to speed um, the efforts to, to care for people. I just love that the local church is the first ones there. And that's what these trucks do. They drive, they partner with people from local uh, Jesus preaching churches. And they're the first ones helping people in the middle of disaster and law. How many think the church ought to be the first one to show up when problems happen? And so, so I just invite you, if you want to be a part of that, we would love for you to prayerfully consider being a part of just generosity for us to set. We already send them um, significant resources, but something extra with all that they're um, doing today. And then one, one last thing, I'm going to dive into the message. Uh, the last, uh, we're, we're in, in uh, one more week of prayer, so it's not too late to jump in 7 a.m., but next Saturday will be the finale of 21 Days of Prayer. And I'm telling you, if you haven't made any of the Days of Prayer, just come to the finale, because I'm telling you, it is like amazing. I mean, people throw babies in the air. I mean, it's like... It's like a whole thing. And uh, so, uh, um, and plus the word finale is a fun word to say. Come on, just turn to the person next to you and say finale. Come on, say it. Isn't it kind of fun? And uh, so we got something special planned with music, worship, choir, all that kind of stuff. And a, really a chance for us to end our uh, season one more week of prayer. So if you haven't been able to make anything, totally get it. But there's something about the last um, Saturday of prayer that's really special. And just want to say how proud of you uh, we are. So many people engaging online. So many people in day-to-day prayer. So many people Saturday. We've never had more people committed to prayer. And I just want you to know, I, I can't, I can't. Of all the things we do as a church... Easter, Christmas, I'm telling you, the thing I'm most proud of our church for is the way we pray. And uh, and so thank you for just being a church that calls 
on God. We need it, don't we? Come on, somebody, we need it. And uh, and so we've been in this little mini series on prayer, and I want to look today at um, we've we've over the last couple of weeks shown you some prayer models right from that booklet to try to keep our uh, prayer time with God really fresh. And I'm excited. The next series we're going to do will have to do with some cultural issues and standing for God in a world that's confused. How many know that's true? So we'll hit on some of that. Uh, but before we do that, I thought we'd look at, at, at Jesus and as we're closing our season of prayer this week and look at how important uh, prayer was to Jesus. And the passage we're going to look at today is in Luke chapter 6, and it occurs right at the end of Jesus in Luke 6, 1 to 11. He heals a man on the Sabbath day, and the Pharisees, who are sort of the religious uh, the legalists of the day, they get real mad at Jesus for healing on Sunday or Saturday on the Sabbath. And they, how many know religious people always put rules over God? How many know religious people always put rules over relationships, right? They're caught on the form of things and not the spirit of things. And so they come to Jesus and they're like, no work on the Sabbath. How could you heal someone? And Jesus actually says something amazing. He says, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. I came to fulfill the whole thing. Here's what he's saying. Jesus hasn't come to just go through religious ritual. He's come to be a savior relationally of all mankind, right? And so right on the heels of that, something interesting happens. And that's Jesus is about to pick his inner crew, his, his 12 disciples and his real group that he's going to invest his whole life in. And in just a couple of years from these verses, he's going to leave the scene and he's going to entrust the entire mission of accomplishing the plan of God to a group of 12 people. I don't know about you. If I was God, I don't think I would have trusted people to help me out. I would have had some like automated angels, you know what I mean? Like, like, but, but in the middle of this, Jesus is, is choosing and investing. How many know there's something when you're going to make big decisions in life about pausing to pray before you make dis- big decisions? And so it's interesting. The Bible shows it that Jesus, one of those days, went out to a mountainside to pray. Come on, where are my mountainside people? Come on, where are my camping people? Come on, RV uh, spam. Come on, like, uh, where are the people you like to live in a tent? I don't get you. Just raise your hand. I don't get you. Help me understand you. I need electricity and come on. And, and, but, but there's something about change of pace and place and location. And so Jesus went to a, to a mountainside, to Smith Mountain Lake to pray, the Bible says. And he spent, look, look at how intentional he is. He spent the entire night praying to, but, Before he's going to pick his disciples, he pulls aside, gets out of town, and gets alone with God and spends the whole night praying to God. And the Bible says when morning came, he sensed God's leadership, and he called his disciples to him, and he chose 12 of them whom he designated apostles. Here are their names. Simon, whom he named Peter. His brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. So these are the 12 apostles. There's actually several lists in the New Testament of apostles, and their names are are oftentimes in a different order. But there's two things always the same when the 12 are listed. Peter is listed first. And Judas Iscariot is, lift, is listed last, okay? 
and uh, and then there's a whole mi- mix of them. And uh, I just say one one quick thing: uh, Jesus picked twelve, but even one left him. So how many know part of life is getting over people dealing dealing with disappointment? Come on, I could preach on that, but I won't. And uh, and but here's the idea: Jesus selects his disciples, and I want you to see this before he ever picks who he's going to entrust his his ministry to when he leaves this world. He spends time praying to God. So I just want to give you three phrases today that I think will really help us. And all of our life is encapsulated in this. And, and I'll just, they're real simple. You can just jot them down. You can almost remember them. And so here it is. Come on, somebody say it out loud with me. It's what? It's spiritual. <laughs> You say, no, it isn't, Pastor. It's, it's leadership. Jesus is selecting the disciples through, through wisdom and God. No, 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 it's spiritual. <laughs> Jesus has to pick the disciples. And before he rests upon his human wisdom to select the right disciples, he goes to God in prayer. And I'm really convinced in our lives, far too often, we seek our own wisdom and not God's wisdom. Just so you know, that's why we do 21 days of prayer every year at twice a year at the time we do it. In January and August, it's a way of saying before we move into September, kind of a new fall year, or or January, kind of a new calendar year, before we move into the future, God, we want to pause and realize it's spiritual, that we need your help. And the early church, they understood this. The early church had an upper room before they had outer courts. They, they went to God in prayer. There's something about prioritizing prayer. In fact, we use this mantra as a church, don't pray last, but pray what? Come on, pray. Pray, pray first before you send that email come on somebody pray first before you talk back it's oh, they're making you mad i got something to tell them no nope, pray first but before you <laughs> before you take that meeting come on pray first and there's something about prayer there's something about prayer and jesus showed a pattern i want you to see this isn't just one verse see it's throughout his whole ministry the bible says even in the morning at daybreak jesus went to a solitary place to pray how many of you are morning people come on raise your hand morning people in the lobby come on how many of you are not morning people come on raise your hand come on give them a hand for getting here at 9:30 come on crack a noon and uh they could have been here at 11:15 somebody dragged you here amazing Jesus, first thing in the morning, at daybreak, he went to a solitary place. He often withdrew to lonely places to pray. Jesus often withdrew in the morning. Prayer to Jesus was everything. Now, I want you to think of this because Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully human. That's, I mean, all right, we know that, right? Jesus was fully God. 100% God, but yet he put on human flesh. And, and if, how many know if Jesus needed to pray? You need to pray. Because you are not as good as Jesus. How many would admit you're not as good as Jesus? Some of you are not raising your hands. We have a freedom group for you, and uh, for sure. For sure. I mean, like if Jesus, the Son of God, needed to pray... 
How much more do we need to pray? In fact, Jesus' whole life was connected to his father. He regularly said, I I do nothing on my own, but I speak just what the father has taught me. Jesus taught us this principle that apart from God, we can do nothing. And I love this principle. It's why we pray. It's why we focus as a church on prayer. It's why we talk about it. Because prayer is the difference between the best I can do and the best God can do. It's submitting ourselves under the mighty hand of God that he might do what he wants to do. God is a God when we realize he's God and we're not, we live in utter dependence upon him. How many know there are times in life you have to learn to pray? My oldest son got his first car two weeks ago. 17 years old. He's one of the nicest kids you'll ever meet, but he's got some spatial issues when he drives, you know. And every time I'm riding in the passenger seat, he hugs the curb. I mean, just like, I don't even put my hand on the windowsill. I'm like, bro, you're hitting all the mailboxes. Like, like we'll be off the road. And he's just like, what? And I'm like, pull on the road, you know? So, so we do this thing with our kids where we said, hey, if you'll earn half the money for a car, we'll pay half the money. So he's real diligent and saved. And a wonderful friend of ours in the church helped us find a car uh, like two weeks ago and takes him to get the car. And, he, and I said, send me a video. I said to Daniel, send me a video of him pulling away so I can see him in my car. And so there, he goes, there he is, Jordan driving in his new car. And he pulls out and he immediately blows a stop sign, Right. And Daniel goes, and there he, I mean, seven seconds into his new car. And I just said, Lord, 21 days of prayer. Protect us, Lord. Let your hand be over us. Katie, how much is the insurance that we have on these vehicles, the liability against us? Because he is for sure not lasting a year without something going on, you know. How many know you don't need to pray till your kids turn 13? Come on. How many know you don't need to pray till you go through channel? I'm just reminding us today, apart from God, we could do nothing. 21 days of prayer is just our admonition as a church. We need more than cool music and a cool logo and a couple songs on a stage. We need almighty God setting his hand upon our church, our marriages, our ministry. How many believe that today? That's what our calling is. It's spiritual. It's spiritual. And if we're not careful in our own humanity, we think, no, it's just normal. It's natural. I'm going to think it through, figure it out, solve my own problems, fix my life. And prayer says, no, no, no. I can't fix me. I need a God to fix me. I can't fix me. I need a savior to fix me. I can't fix me. I need the help of God. So it's spiritual. Come on. Just turn to the person next to you and tell them it's spiritual. Come on. Tell them that it's spiritual. After he prays, he does something amazing. The Bible says he calls his disciples and he chooses 12 of them whom he designated apostles. So it's interesting to me that not only does Jesus go to prayer, he forms community. So it's spiritual. Here's the second thing it is. It's not just spiritual. We got to get this. It's also relational. You say, Pastor, can't I go to church at home watching it online? Sure. But there's just something about being with real people. I met a lady after the early service this morning. She said, it's my second time here. She said, after COVID, I started watching church online. It's my second. I'm trying to find a new church. My second time in person. She said, it feels so different in person. I said, I know it feels so different in person. I just want to say, everybody, maybe watch it online. We love you. If you're out of town, we totally get it. But if you've made a habit of just not getting back in person, in the rooms, I'm just telling you there's something in the room that's not in your living room, and we'd love to have you back. I'm just telling you there's something in the room. 
because we were made for community. We're made for relationship. We're made for connection. I mean, I learned as a kid, this is the church and, and this is the steeple. Open the door. Come on, somebody in here. See all the people. And I get that, except the one problem with that is this is not the church. The building is not the church. The church is you. The church is me. The people. That shouldn't be that hard for me. Should I? I mean, like, whatever. I'm just telling you there's something about community. It's why, it's why George Wood said ministry in life flows out of relationships. It's why we got two more of these, one today and one next week. We got two more that we're just praying over small group leader training at about 1230 today at both locations. Just people coming and saying, I'm dreaming about starting a small group. I'm dreaming about launching community. And then next weekend, I'm telling you, just write it on your calendar, write it on the back of your hand. Chapelgroups.com will go live. And that's like a menu where we'll list all the different small groups you can get connected in you can find community i'm telling you i like the big room of worship but there's nothing like finding a little group of people they're your crew they're the people you do life with that you find community with you saw in the video today god changes us in community God changes us in connection with other people. God changes us in groups. And people are launching all kinds of groups this semester. In fact, yesterday at prayer, a motorcycle group drove off. And I said to Katie, I'm going to join that small group. And she said, she said, I'm not, but you'll see who, who's in charge. You'll see. I'm just saying, it can be a Bible study group. It can be a life life uh, 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 pattern group. It can be a running group. I mean, just whatever's on your heart. We just want to help circle you up and connect you in community. And that's one of the keys to Jesus' ministry. He not only preached to crowds, he took a handful of leaders and he invested in them. So I'm going to ask you a question this weekend. What kind of guys did Jesus pick? <laughs> Man, they must have been special. They must have had a killer degrees. They must have been from the, I mean, like from, from royalty. I mean, can you imagine their family tree? Well, the Bible describes the 12 apostles this way as unschooled, ordinary men. Imagine them when they get to heaven and they realize, for real? I mean, you read the list of the 12 apostles. There's no, most of them, they're not even from the suburbs. These guys are from Galilee. That is the country. I'm tempted to name some towns around here, but I won't. <laughs> I mean, they're not sophisticated. They don't come from royalty. One of, them, one of them is a tax collector. There's even somebody who works for the IRS in Jesus' group. I mean, I mean, they were Galilean fishermen. I'm just saying all this to say the group of people that Jesus chose to use is totally ordinary. Anybody thankful that God still uses ordinary, simple people? Do I have any ordinary people in the room? Like, like, like if you're real honest, like, like if we really put, drag you up here and say, what's special about you? You go, oh, not much, you know. And yet what's amazing, Jesus chooses these 12. I'll show you this. All the way in heaven, and we can't spend long. i just show it to you quick. On the gates of heaven are written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. And there are three gates on the east and three on the north and three on the south and three on the west. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations. Look at this. In heaven, the wall of the city had 12 foundations. And on those foundations were written the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. These ordinary nobodies that were picked as just 
fishing on the side of a beach were chosen by Jesus and they're forever etched. I'm just telling you, Jesus can take ordinary, simple, normal people and do incredible eternal things through them. And that's what these guys, they're just, it wasn't their ability. It was their availability. It wasn't their capability. It was just that the, I, I, I don't think, I don't, you say, Pastor, I can't launch a group. It may just be, it may just be your availability. It's not, it's not about all the gifts and talents. It's about just giving ourselves to God. In fact, let me show you one example of this. In the Old Testament, God was choosing a man to deliver his people, and he picked a man named Gideon. And if you ever want to read the story in Judges 6 and 7 and 8, Gideon's whole story is there. But I'll just show you. God comes and he says to Gideon, the angel says, I'm going to use you in a great way. And look at his response. It's kind of like ours. How can I do it, God. My clan is the weakest. I'm the least in my family. Like I'm, not, I'm not even the coolest brother. <laughs> I'm the least. I don't come from the right part of town. I'm not the most gifted. Anybody feel that way, right? And yet God chooses Gideon and uses him in a great way. And there's a whole story. I wish I could unpack it all. But Gideon has like 30,000 men that he's going to use to deliver. And God tells him something interesting. It's kind of crazy to me. God's, the Lord says to Gideon, you have too many men for battle. How many know that is not a normal phrase? What's the biggest problem with your army? We just have a lot of guys. So many horses, so many swords, so many warriors. Like how many feel like that's a good deal, right? God says you have too many men. You say, why would he say that? Here, look at God. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands. Why? Or Israel would boast against me, saying my own strength has saved me. So God whittles it all the way down to 300 guys. Guys, his whole point is, I don't want to win with a big army because then you'll think a big army won. I want to win with a little army so you'll know a big God won. And guess what? God picks ordinary people like you and me who are just walking through life, just trying to be faithful to God. And God does big things through little people as long as we know we're common, simple, humble. How many know God does big things through little people, right? In fact, I'll never forget when I was 16 years old, I felt called to be a pastor. I told my mom. My mom didn't even believe I could be a pastor because I was so introverted and shy. How many know when your mom don't believe in you, it's bad? I was so shy growing up. I remember in first grade, I was picking my nose with my pencil. The eraser broke off in my nose. And I was so shy, I didn't even tell the teacher. I tried to call 911. It's true. I mean, you could ask. My mother-in-law was my third grade teacher. I was shy. I didn't look up from the desk. I still have one of the report cards where she's like, Brandon is making great progress. He even looks up from his desk. That was like my mom saying, you crushed it this third third grade. Why? You've been looking up from your desk. I was just that kid. How many know what that kid is? That that kid? You know that kid? Do you know what that kid is? Uh, if you don't know that kid, you're that kid. I'm just telling you. <laughs> and yet God plucks out the most shy, introverted, uncertain, weird person, makes him be a, a pastor. Why? So that every weekend I can be surprised. So can you. (laughs) 
How many know God uses imperfect people? Come on, yeah. In fact, I want to show you this quote by Robert Coleman. It's a really powerful one. While the church is looking for methods to move the multitudes, God's just looking for men whom the multitudes will follow. All Jesus is looking is to take a small group of people that will trust in him, even with their own uh, imperfections and their own limitations, and he's going to do something supernaturally. Look at me today. I want to tell you, God wants to use you in a great way, even if you don't feel like you have all the talents and gifts and abilities of somebody else. Why? Because once he uses you and you say, Pastor, I can't do it. Here's the amazing thing. Once he uses you in a great way, there'll be no doubt it was him. Because people will be like, you know, yo, it must have been the Lord, you know, because <laughs> God does so much. How many are glad God uses just simple people, right? It, it's, it's, it's spiritual, but it's also relational. And Jesus, it's interesting. He not only spends his time preaching to the multitudes, but he circles people up in community. And he connects them to one another. And he connects them to relationships. And That's one of the things, just so you know, that we're praying all these 21 days. I'm praying that we would have the best small group semester we've ever had as a church. I'm praying that if you've been coming in and out of the doors and you haven't made friends, I'm praying that you'll take the big step of faith to get connected to a group this fall. You say, going to a small group is, is um, nerve-wracking. Nerve I get it. Like, but there's something about being in community, being in connection, being known by other people, being in a, in a, in a group where we can do life together. Can I get an amen? All right. All right. Let me show you one more thing. So Jesus connects them in prayer and then he connects them in community. And it's amazing to me. It says after that, he went down. Come on, say that word. Went where? Went in fact, this is probably designed to remind us that he's about to go to a needy place, okay? He went down, although Jerusalem is on a hill, so it could be geographically speaking, but Luke probably means a dual meaning, so he's trying to make a point here. He went down with them and stood on a level place. And a large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those troubled by impure spirits were cured. And the people all tried to touch him because the power was coming from them and healing them all. So I want you to see this. Jesus doesn't stay only in a place of prayer. Somebody once asked me, why don't we do 21 days of prayer all year? Well, okay. Okay, I'm sorry. I can't. Uh, like, like, here's why, though, because you can't only stay in prayer. How many know you also have to go where needs are? And by the way, there are people who intercede. You know, every weekend early in the morning, this room is filled with. Can we just thank our intercessors and prayer team today that pray weekly, weekly, weekly? Some of you may want to jump into that. Some of you may want to jump into that once this prayer season is over. That's your gift and your calling. But how many know if everybody went to the prayer room and no one went to the nursery, we'd have a problem? Because not only do you have to pray, but you have to help other people. <laughs> and and what, what, everyone has to find their own calling. What Jesus does is he goes to where the needs are and the people are. And he goes and all, what you see is a mess. They have diseases and impure spirits. <laughs> and they're not even, this isn't even a sophisticated crowd. I mean, they're, they're running in and grab, just like, like it's, this picture UFC. That's what's happening right here. And something amazing is happening. Jesus is transforming their lives because it's not only spiritual and it's not only relational. We got to get this together today. It's come on, say it with me. It's what? It's, it's missional. Okay. 
And here's what missional is. It's about the task, Jesus said. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And he came, Luke 19, to seek and save the lost. So what is God's desire for us this fall? To be a church that seeks and saves the lost. Catch my heart on this. We never want to build a church that only Christians like. And we never want to build a church that only religious people want to come to. We want to build a church that uncompromising preaches the word of God. But we want to build a church where broken people can come in and not find legalism or judgmentalism. But meet the grace of God. Jesus didn't just stay on the mountain praying. He got down in the valley, went down and got into the mess of people's lives. And the chapel wants to be a church that gets in the mess of people's lives. I'm telling you, in the core of our church has always been this desire to not only love Jesus, but to create a space where people could bring their problems to him. And even the irreligious people could meet Jesus. You know, I know, I know some churches, they're like, we're not at all for non-believers. We're trying to do everything. You go in, you can't understand any language. I mean, you know, I mean, we could do that here. You know, I could just say Greek words all day, you know. And I could deepen this church down to like 30 people. You know what I mean? Like, but there's a heart to reach people that are still far from God. I just read a study in 175 nations of the world. Um, the church is growing in so many, but there are 17 nations of the world that the church is either plateaued or declining. America is one of the 17. I don't think the church currently is declining in America, but it's plateaued. And what that means is we're actually, we're, we're not just needing missionaries to go overseas. We're needing people to think of themselves as missionaries in a country where we're right now fighting whether or not we're going to see another renewal of the Holy Spirit and people come to faith in Jesus or whether or not we're going to follow what much of the European model has been, which is an increasing godlessness in our culture. And I know the stats that say after so many years, a nation always goes somewhere, but I'm just believing God that there's still hope for our nation and that right on this line, there's going to be a group of people that sense how crucial it is to not just have a cultural Christianity, but to say, Jesus, we're believing you for our city. Anybody believing God for our city and our our nation and our schools and our kids and our community and our and it's us just trying to introduce people to Jesus it's us saying it's okay to be okay a couple weeks ago uh, somebody said to me on the way out and I, I debated even saying it but I'll just say it out loud there's like pastor that was a hell of a sermon today You got a choice in that moment. Hey, 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 we don't, hey, hey, hey. Bro, that's the best compliment of the day. I told my wife, I said, you know what happened today? She said, what? I said, I preached a hell of a sermon. I just did. That's what they're saying out there. And uh, now I'm not saying you should say it in all the kids' classes and everything like that. So we'll work on them before we send them to youth and all that. But, but how many want to be a part of a church where people don't know how to say it? They just get to say it. No, no, not, no, 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 no. 
You ever been in the legalistic church? The ushers always look like they're trying to keep people out, not let them in, you know? Everybody's mad and upset. You join our church and be as miserable as we are. Everyone's going to hell. You're going to hell. We're miserable. Join us. You know, the lady's got her hair real tight, looks surprised the whole time in the bun, you know? I'm not saying we shouldn't preach the uncompromising word of God. We should. We should not cow to, 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 to culture. We should not change our values. But we should say this is, we're not trying to build some place for museum pieces that are fully finished. If you're fully finished, you're probably in the wrong place. We're trying to run a mission right up against the gates of hell where people who are still far away from God and still putting their life back together and still confused in every different way. And we say, hey, it's okay to not be okay now. It's not okay to stay that way. But right now you're welcome because... Because this is, a, how many know this is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints? And Jesus leaves the mountain and goes into the valley, and that's where mess is. I know that's where mess is. In fact, let me tell you one of the most fun things there's been for me over the 21 days of prayer. Last year, in 21 days of prayer, all our students showed up in prayer. But this year, not only have our students showed up in prayer, but the little kids are showing up in prayer. And they're taking the prayer cards and they're drawing pizza on them. And I'm, don't draw, hey. And they're walking the wrong way and they're bumping into stuff. I went, I went by, I was praying over day on this side and there was just like so many juice boxes. Never seen so many juice boxes, like juice boxes, yogurt, applesauce. I was like, next time I'm just going to grab one. You know, I'm like, who's bringing all the food here? And I thought to myself, I'm so glad to be a part of a church that just has a little bit of a mess. How many know when it's too clean, that means ministry's not happening, right? Proverbs says where the, 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 the pen that's clean is the one without an ox, you know. But when God's at work, there's some messiness that's called discipleship. There's some people coming to faith in Jesus and they don't quite know how to do it, how to say it, how to live it, how to be it. But thank God that we have a savior that you don't have to get right to get to him. You get to him to get right. It's spiritual. It's relational. It's missional. It's missional. Do you know our team and then I'm done. I know I got to go. Just musicians come out or I'll just keep doing this but uh, our team got to meet with uh, some of the administration of Mosley Elementary the other day and talk about our new campus and we said this is our heart for the school what do you need how can we make a difference and I got to tell you why I'm so excited it's been a couple of years since we've been in rented facilities we now have buildings we've we own and thank goodness because your generosity are building but when I moved here I was used to the chapel being in a rented space and I didn't realize I missed it I missed the mess a little of set up and tear down now of course I have an 8 a.m. service so I'm unable to help with the setup at Mosley so that's pretty awesome but uh but I, I'll never forget the first sound man we had at um at the national he would always curse because he was with the national i said bro you can't curse like it's christmas eve you know baby jesus you can't do this and the bands would be loading in and they'd be 
I mean, just names that feel godless to me. And the night before, they'd be biting the heads off bats or whatever. I don't know what they do. But there was something to me about just being right in the middle. And I, I got that same feeling dreaming this last week about being in elementary school. I thought, let's be right. People complaining about education. Let's be right in the middle of it. Let's bless the teachers. Pray for the school. Let's be, let's be a place that they're like, you better let the chapel in your school because life gets easy. So we brought, you know what we did the other day? We didn't bring them prayer cards. We brought them chocolate. Come on, somebody. You want to know why? Because chocolate is a gift of the Holy Spirit, you know? Hey, teachers, chocolate or gift card, whatever. We're just here. We're just, hey, just, we just want to get off the mountain into the vet. We want to get where people, I'm just saying this today, imperfectly as I'm trying to say it. I just want to get where the people are that are still far away from God because I still believe just one moment in his presence or one touch with his gospel can change him altogether. I'm just begging us as a church to be careful because as churches grow and as they get more organized, they, they sometimes get combative to the world. And I know the world's broken. We'll talk about that later. But we are not here to just yell at the world. We're here to reach out through the love of Jesus. And I just believe men and women, boys and girls, I believe we're going to see more people baptized and connected to a local church and enter into community and delivered from drug addiction and alcohol and broken places because this is a this is a church committed to being a hospital for broken people how many would pray that for our church come on how many would pray that for our church how many would pray that for our church be a hospital be a hospital be a hospital let's stand together in this room let's stand in the lobby let's stand in scott's edition and I'm going to close this in prayer and then our band will uh, dismiss us. If you need prayer today, we have some prayer leaders that will come down front. And they'll, as people are kind of walking out today, if you need prayer, you can come. And they'll, they'd love to pray for you. They've been trained and just love to come alongside your needs. And then tomorrow morning, 7 a.m., we're back here. And then don't forget this um, this Saturday, the prayer what? Come on, the prayer fin finale. It's fun to say. So you want to be a part of that. And then next weekend, we'll open the group. Uh, group directory and all the incredible things this Thursday night will be men's night man hardly believe all the Lord's doing in our church if you're comfortable today I'd love to give you a blessing would you hold your hand out like this come on in Scott's edition in the lobby I pray today chapel as you go that God would go with you and I pray that every problem you brought in you'd leave right at your seat <laughs> would the Lord today bless you and keep you would he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you would the Lord bless your rising up and your lying down until we gather again to give him praise. For we pray it in the strong name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said together, amen. Have an amazing Sunday. We'll see you next week at prayer Sunday. God bless you. We love you.